Welcome to the Bleep Midlife Bulimia podcast with guest Lois Hollis, shame and guilt educator, counselor, and filmmaker. Hi, everyone. I am Laurieann. I am the host of Bleep Midlife Bulimia, and I'm so pleased today to have Lois Hollis with me. She is a shame and guilt educator, counselor, and filmmaker. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invite and the ability and the opportunity to share information that we can all use. And I learn even more talking about shame guilt because it's such a big topic that's been hidden. Absolutely. And of course, uh, as my listeners know, this is um, a podcast about bulimia. However, I like to bring in speakers that can speak to different components of what some of uh, you out there who are struggling with bulimia would be dealing with. And shame and guilt, I know, is one of the big ones. So uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about that. So tell us how you got into this, Lois. By divine intervention. <laughs> it wasn't like I was a teenager and I said, I'm going to be a shame and guilt educator. I didn't even know the word. Anyway, um, somewhere in my 50s, when they said, you're not going to make it, uh, I start, I was depressed and anxious and things of that sort. Not because of being so ill, but because I had a very abusive childhood, which I never addressed. And we all know that if you don't take care of the problems that you had before, no matter where they were, the older they get, the worse it gets. But I didn't even know I had an abusive childhood. Uh um, because that's what you do. You forget, you hide it because how else can you keep going? It's a very protective mechanism. I do believe that. I believe there's a soul, uh, time clock when we awake and some people do it at 20, some people do it at 40. So it doesn't matter when that happens. It's the when it's for you. Yes. So that's what I came to learn. Anyway, um, I was uh, thrown down the steps. I was pushed down the concrete stairway. Um, my jaw was broken. I had a couple of brain traumas. Uh, my neck was broken. See, one, two, and three. Yes, I did die. I remembered that in my 50s that I saw God and he sent me back. And I don't know when that was, maybe seven or eight years old. I... But I do remember that that just happened. I, you know, um, it, it just, oh my goodness, that's what happened to me. It, that revelation. So I always thought everybody just talked to God like I'm talking to you, because that's what I've been doing all my life, but I didn't know that that's what I was doing. And when um, my heart wasn't working as well and my liver and kidneys weren't working as well because I was taking uh, drugs for 30 years because I had migraine headaches every day. But now I know why I had migraine headaches every day because of all the brain traumas. And then I remembered the times that I could not read in first grade and I remember that's that's one thing I did remember very clearly was holding the book and 
I couldn't read. And I asked the teacher, which was a nun, Catholic nun, Catholic school. And they said, I said, can you tell me how to stop the words from moving? Because I can't read. They gave me a slap. So the next day they said, okay, come on back and read. So what I did was I, in my creative mind, remember I told you I'm very creative, I turned the book upside down. I mean, if, it, if you can't read this way, I thought I could read this way. Makes sense, doesn't it, to a six-year-old? Oh, my. I got slapped again. <laughs> so um, I was extremely dyslexic, but with all the brain traumas, of course. You're, you're dyslexic and you can't read and you can't, I stuttered. But these are all the symptoms of brain traumas, three or four or whatever you have. So um, there's one memory that came back last year. You know, I'm 77. So like, I, I've just, you know, every once in a while I get another memory. I, re I remember seeing myself like, like a, a year and a half old baby. And my, someone was holding my legs up like this and pouncing my head on the floor. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, I know. Um, so I remember the teacher being called, my parents called, my teacher called the parents into the school. And they said, because I, they, there was four children in the family. My sister was considered the genius. I was considered the stupid one. And they said that your child is unteachable because she's an idiot child. Oh. Because she can't read. And, and, you know, we're talking 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Yeah. You know, they didn't know anything about, um, you know, um, mental problems or, you know, dyslexia or anything like that especially even Erin syndrome, that's new. Anyway, so they said we cannot teach her because she cannot write and she cannot read. But we are a Catholic school and we will keep her, but she has to stay in the back of the room because she's unteachable. And know that you don't help her with homework or anything because she's unteachable. Unbelievable. Well, I was unteachable in their aspect because I couldn't read. The words wouldn't stay still. However, I had this incredible desire to tap dance. That's all I wanted to do was dance, tap dance. I had a tap dance. So finally, my parents let me have lessons. And I tap danced from first grade all the way to high school. I mean, like, I just danced, danced, danced. So not ballet, tap dancing. And I do believe that's what helped my left right brain he heal because I got into the University of Pennsylvania Ivy Leagues College I'm going how did I do that I supposed to be stupid but the the good part was that they left me alone they didn't holler at me because I couldn't read because I couldn't read so they just left me alone so I evolved on my own and having the near-death experience I had access to God all the time so I think I just learned, I just learned because I was open to another place to learn. Yeah. However, you can explain that. So that's how um, my life was. But however, as you know, that carries major, major emotional problems. You know, talking about shame, guilt. Yeah. And um, somewhere in my 50s, 
um, they said, you know, your heart was bad because I carried the mitral valve prolapse abnormality from my father and the kidneys weren't working as well and the heart wasn't working because of all the drugs. Mm -hmm. And yes, they said, there's no way you can live. And obviously as a nurse, I knew that I couldn't because, you know, it's bad enough your heart's not working, right? Your lung and my had scoliosis so badly from all the um, physical traumas. And there wasn't, I remember I got thrown out of yoga class. They said, please don't come. That what they really meant, I was a poor example for them. I was, I was, I was so intense on healing, like, oh, I'll take a yoga class and that didn't work. And um, the, I did go to chiropractors and all. They said, lady, your body is totally frozen. You can't move bones that are all stuck together. And it's true. I couldn't turn my head I couldn't do anything and um they were right someone said what do you do about shame and I said oh what an interesting word I never thought about that and then I through my own work I realized that shame guilt is an energy that comes into us the same way love energy comes into us and shame is the reason all the negativity happens and that's how I healed because I concentrated on shame, guilt, not depression and anxiety and not good enough and et cetera, et cetera. Totally different focus. But it's the root cause of everything. So I'm saying, why go? I won't live long enough to go to therapy for depression and therapy for anxiety and therapy for not feeling good. Because I'll die before they heal them. Can we just do shame, guilt, energy and get rid of that? And then my emotions turn back to positive. See, the love energy carries happiness and joy. And I can do anything. I don't have any problems. I can eat. I don't have to eat. I mean, it, it just, it, you're just okay. On the other side, we have shame, guilt, energy that turns our emotions from the positive to the negative. Like compassion turns to depression. Intuition turns to anxiety. Passion turns to anger. Once we release the shame and guilt energy, bloop, they go back to positive. And it happens 100% of the time, whoever I work with. So, yes, shame, guilt's a big problem, but it's a problem because nobody let it out. We all hide it. And shame, guilt, energy only has one defect. It dissolves in detection. Da-da. <laughs> now, um, there's something I want to mention very uh, briefly, but I want to do this first. Shame's guilt, shame is in the unconscious mind and guilt's in the conscious mind. Okay. So they call it shame. They call it guilt. They say shame is bad. Guilt is good. We need guilt to be moral. No, no, no. We just need to do the right thing. Not because we're going to feel guilty if we don't. I just want to do it because it's the right thing. It's a higher evolutionary position we're taking. 
I mean, everything else has evolved and we got to evolve too. And the medical field, when you have a bacteria in your brain, they call it meningitis. If you have the same bacteria in your stomach, they call it gastritis. If you have the same bacteria in your lungs, they call it pneumonia. Same bacteria in the liver, they call it hepatitis. Do you see how that is? So shame, guilt, energy is called different things because it's in different locations. Now that really confuses you. And so if anybody can take away that today, that's a big deal. Shame, guilt is the same energy. It's in different locations, so they call it different things, but it's still the same negative monster that comes into us. Does that help? Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's what the medical world does. In fact, the DS, DSM-5 or whatever they call it is like 950 pages of diagnoses, you know, abandonment and procrastination and OCD and so many other things. <laughs> uh, too fast, too slow, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't mention shame, guilt. And shame, guilt is the reason for the 910 diagnoses. Isn't that amazing? That is. That is. Do you see how it messes with your mind? Yeah. For sure. So you don't have to, I know you do a lot of with eating disorders, but this covers everything, you know, and... So know that shame, guilt, energy is not of humanity. It was placed upon us. And they go, why is it so easy to love? And it's so hard to get rid of shame, guilt. I'm sure everybody feels that way, right? It's just like it sticks to you like glue. And love, which is so wonderful, is so hard to access. And that's because shame, guilt, energy needs you. We don't need it. Shame, guilt, energy needs us because it's like a parasite. It feeds off our human love energy, human light energy. So it's going to keep grabbing at you. Whereas love energy is more free flowing from God, universe. It's a ah, feeling. Shame, guilt is like, mm, mm, won't leave. But now that we know it's secret, not completely, but at least we're starting. You know, we're, we're, we're starting down the right path here. There's no bad shame and there's no good shame and there's no good guilt. It's you can't have a healthy poison. Since they're both the same. So people that break it up, break up the brain. Yeah. So what, what sort of process do you go through to move towards that? I mean, I'm pretty sure that if you asked anybody, a lot of people would say, yes, I feel shame and I feel guilt, whether it's a shame from the past or even shame that's, you know, in today's. You ate the wrong thing for breakfast. I mean, right. seriously, we, we got it all over the place. That's right. exactly right. So 
the first thing to do is to say, okay, shame, guilt is an energy like a computer virus that comes into your computer and messes everything up. Yep. Shame, guilt is a negative energy into us because we're a computer. You know, we're crystalline. It messes us up. Yep. How do you get rid of your computer virus? You get a software reproving program and get the heck out of there. That's what we do. We kick it out. We have to say that. Now, is it going to go away? Not really, but at least you can put it to the side and not give it energy anymore. And you say, hi, depression. Hi, not feeling good enough. What do you have to tell me? We work with our emotions. Even though you say you don't feel good enough, you don't have, you're, you got to separate yourself from the shame guilt energy. That's what I'm saying. How do you start? You just start doing it. The more you do it, the more separation you get. Now, the way to remove it is that it's in the inner personality parts of ourselves. You know, um, you know, you've heard about inner, uh, inner parts or personality parts, you know, it, you know, people talk about um, the uh, attacker or the inner critic or this or that. So we all know we have parts inside of us. We have to make friends with everybody, especially the inner critic. He can be our friend because he's a shame guilt producer. Ah, we go to the CEO. So that's what I do is I help people make friends with the CEO the inner critic and say, hello, it's the year 2021. We're not living in 1960 when I was five years old. So he's in a different timeline. Only nobody ever told him that. I mean, this is really real. You talk to yourself. I'm talking, helping people talk to themselves. And I have something um, I would love to share with you. You deal with people that have problems with eating. Well, we all have problems with eating, but some of them don't um, gravitate to severe problems. Um, there is a, I have worked with several people that are either bulimic, anorexic, or both. And they fluctuate their diets all the time because one's this one's, and it's a roller coaster. And everybody knows that doesn't, it's not healthy. Now, what I've come to learn from helping people through that is that, and I'm not an um, eating disorder coach at all. I'm just talking that many, many people have shame guilt problems. So I get people that are manic depressant or OCD or have eating problems. It doesn't matter because it's all the same um, uh, treatment or therapy. I found that one, there is an aspect within them that's anorexic and then they have an access um, another part of themselves that's bulimic and they're fighting against each other so you have to go in and say like um, one part was Alice and she was anorexic and Betty was bulimic and they're fighting. And so you go, hi, I'm Lois. I'm the ambassador of myself. And I want to help you make peace with each other. Because I can't have peace unless you have peace. So we have to talk to Alice and say, 
and they talk to you. So it isn't like you're schizophrenic. It's, it's, it's normal talking. And I have a DVD on YouTube and it's on my website. It's called Out of Discord into Harmony. Okay, so we say, Alice, how are you? Who are you? How old are you? How do you get to know me? I say, hi, what kind of music do you like? What kind of dress do you like to wear? That's how we talk to ourselves. We don't say, why do you not like to eat? Because they don't know that. You want to know the person. And for some reason, when she was, you were three years old, this aspect of you some way got the information that eating too much was bad. And so that's her timeline. Then when you're 10 or 11, you wanted to eat more because that was important at that point in your life. And so that's another timeline. So they're both going on a timeline, but they're not communicating and they don't know they're fighting with each other. So once we make friends with one part, and friends with another part, we see the shame that they're carrying as a 12-year-old and as a four-year-old or a five-year-old. And they can just get rid of that shame and don't feel compulsed anymore to live in that timeline of struggle. And once they, they don't merge together, but they're different aspects that they don't have the shame guilt that commands them to be so restrictive in their, their way of living. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, because I remember watching a show on Oprah a long time ago, and it was, she was interviewing people that were anorexic. And I actually saw the person she was talking to. And I saw this part of her. It was Her name was Dor Dorothy. I'm very empathic. That's just who I am. Maybe all saw those times talking to God. But anyway. And I said, Oprah, you're talking to Janet, the person. You can't tell her that this eating is wrong. You got to talk to Dorothy. You're talking to the wrong person. So people that try to help people with eating problems, they're talking to the wrong person. You got to talk to the kid inside of her that's not happy. Yeah. And by talking with her, she releases the shame. Because how do we, how do we get shame? We get shame by not talking. And so you get less. Now, when someone looks at you in the eyes and says, hi, the shame disappears because they're seen. Yeah. An interesting story. I'll just send a little minute on this one. I was um, sent a person uh, from a holistic doctor. He said, I don't know what to do with him. He's 30 years old. He's happy. He's healthy, but he has incredible anxiety. And I give him some meds and it doesn't work. And it's unfounded anxiety. He's well, he's happy, he's rich. There's no reason for him to be anxious about money or living conditions. And I can't help him out. And I talk to him and I you know, just can't help him out. So see what you can do. So we met. And he, was, he moved to um, Sedona, where I lived, from Ireland. 
Okay, what is an Irish person? 100% Catholic, right? I mean, they are from, from the great-great-grandmother, okay? And he was a lovely Catholic, but he moved to Sedona. You know, Sedona, it's all that New Age stuff, and it's Buddha, and it's the ashrams, and lots of um, um, other gurus. But it's also, you know, an enlightening place, but it has different spirituality slash religions. And so he had George inside of himself, who was Catholic. Then he had Arnold inside of himself that was now spiritual and did Buddha practices and meditated. And they were always fighting. So I took a piece of paper and I drew a line down the paper and put the Catholic on one side and um, I forget, Arnold on the other side. And what did they believe and what did he believe and what did he believe and what he believed. And I, we sat together and we actually negotiated how they both could live in peace, having the same ideas that they wanted to evolve and they wanted to pray to God, but they went different ways. And they, they it's like being in an, an ambassador of two countries. What do you want? What do you want? And that's how he healed within like six weeks. He was totally fine. Beautiful. So that's the same thing that you people can use with their own um, parts within themselves. Everybody has parts. Yeah. That's very interesting. I, I can get that too. Yes, I was brought up Catholic as well. So <laughs> yeah, it's very strong. And the um, spiritual um gurus they're very strong too yes and and, and th there's room for both but they can't be a hundred percent because now you're a mixture and so you're actually sitting there talking to one side of yourself and one of the other and you're say okay we got to make peace because we can't go like this it, it won't work and and they do talk and they want to make peace but nobody went to them they only went to the person not to the inner parts and the beauty of doing that with people is that that's where the shame guilt's hidden i can't say i get rid of all the shame i ever carried yeah right if we could do that we'd all be um angelic <laughs> true that we have to find it yeah to get rid of it and it's very doable. That's interesting. I don't know. Like I, I would imagine it's it's easier done when there's someone like you around to help them do it, though. Well, that's what I do. I'm a teacher. I'm more of a teacher than a counselor. I teach people how to self-heal. Because in therapy, they're just to you. And, and that ain't going to work. you got to talk to the part of you that's in unhappiness and is not doing well and when you talk they need to go to therapy and you can do that yourself you help you're the therapist talking to yourself trying to help them and so that's what i do i help people get on the track of talking to themselves and then they can do it all of you know, the rest of their life Beautiful. but they do need help in the beginning absolutely i mean yeah it's not, I mean, it, it can be done, but I, yes, definitely I would feel that somebody would need some help at the beginning for that. 
in the beginning. Yeah. And then it's just so beautiful when you see this smile on their face that they are genuinely at peace. It's such a struggle, and I understand that. And my struggle was, you know, the abuse. The kids inside of me were bleeding and, you know, sick. I mean, you know, I had struggles because of the intense um, physical and emotional abuse. I mean, the kid inside of me was in a corner because she was called an idiot child. I mean, what does that do to you? <laughs> That's how I grew up. I was called an idiot child. So I had to help her know that she, that's what happened then, but that's not the truth of her. Yeah. And so you're also a filmmaker. I just wanted to touch on that before the, uh, the half hour's up. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your film. Well, my first film is the DVD I talked about, Out of Discord into Harmony. I wanted people to see what I saw and how they can talk to themselves. And they're, they're, they are talkable and they talk back to you. Okay, they don't talk to right away sometimes, but do they talk? You kind of feel it, hear it, if you know what I'm saying. It isn't like you're schizophrenic. It's not schizophrenic. It's now okay to talk to yourself. My second film is called I'm Good, coming out next month. Excellent. The reason I'm making the film is to show what shame guilt energy looks like. Oh, that would be interesting. So we know it exists. Yeah. We know how it comes into our body. We know how it affects our emotions. And we know what happens when we get rid of it. You know, you believe what you see. Yeah. And all this time that Shane Gill is like, oh, this elusive thing. Nobody, you got to, you got to call it, you got to know your enemy. Yeah. So I'm teaching people to learn their enemy. We all have an enemy. It's called the Shane Gill monster. Negative force. That's it. Now that we know our enemy, we can get rid of it. It serves no purpose. Absolutely not. So Lois, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And I just wanted to ask, how can our listeners get a hold of you? LoisHollis.com. That's L-O-I-S-H-O-L-L-I-S.com. I have two free eBooks and the first one is 500 questions, one answer. That shows you 500 ways that we can give ourselves or others shame, guilt behaviors. Because we don't know. It's Right now it's normal. It's not normal, but it's common. So yeah. you have to learn what it is not to use it. Absolutely. I mean, what do we know? And the next book is called Now is the Time. And that's my readings from spirit. And when people get into that shame, guilt space, that's so dreadful, they can read these writings and it helps to take them out of the shame, guilt energy. It's wonderful. Beautiful. It just puts you at another frequency. So yeah. please visit there. There's like, I don't know, 40 or 50 podcasts. I don't count anymore. And so <laughs> enjoy yourself. <laughs>
fantastic. Thanks again. Really appreciate you. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Probably even have you back on. Oh, I would love to. And it would be, I would answer questions. If you want to come in and just have everybody come in and answer questions or however you were. I love questions. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.